Get ready for a no BS approach to health and fitness. This is NBS Fitness Radio. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to MBS Fitness Radio. Uh, I'm doing a solo podcast today, and the topic is all things cold and heat exposure. So we're talking about saunas, ice baths, all that fun stuff. And I wanted to start this podcast with a little bit of um, history for myself is uh, how I kind of got into this. Um, in college, we would do ice baths after practice, especially during two-a-days. Um, you know, you'd have a morning practice. It would last two and a half to three hours, and you'd have an afternoon practice that would last another two and a half to three hours. And this was in uh, Cleveland, Mississippi. It was blazing hot. Uh, you know, we had the heat indexes over um, – 100 degrees uh, pretty much every single day in August. And so nothing felt better than kind of jumping in that uh, cold ice bath um, after practice. And in doing so, in doing so, you would recover faster. Um, you would bring your internal uh, body temperature back down quicker. Um, the, the inflammatory effects of practice has just got beat up joints and your muscles hurt and all that kind of stuff would be relieved and you felt like you could go again, um, you know, that, that afternoon or the next day. So that was really the first time I ever started doing uh, any type of cold exposure. And um, about five years ago, I was first exposed to this idea um, outside of, of football. I hadn't done it since then. I was uh, first exposed to it through uh, by Taylor Somerville, uh, who runs uh, Symmetry. And... Um, Taylor is an XPT certified coach, um, and you can kind of uh, go check out Laird Hamilton and XPT if you want to uh, to learn a little bit more about that. But it's all about um, you know really controlling your breathing and um, learning how to breathe properly and utilizing uh, cold and heat to to um, train and adapt your body. And so Taylor came out. He put on a clinic, a breathing clinic, and then we did some contrast therapy. Contrast therapy is you go back and forth between the cold and the hot um, and just alternate back and forth between the two. And I remember it it was in like January or February. It was one of the coldest days of the the year. It was sub-30 outdoor temperature that day. And then the ice ice bath, the, the, the cold water dunk, was like 33 degrees so um it was it was psychologically difficult um for a lot of us doing it for the first time just the the idea of jumping into cold water when it's already cold outside but uh taylor pointed out like it doesn't matter what the outdoor temperature is like the water temperature is always the same doesn't matter 50 100 whatever outdoors if the water temperature is 32 the water temperature is 32 and it's like, oh yeah, that that's a good good way of thinking about that. I hadn't considered that. So uh, we did some back and forth sauna and cold tub, and really felt the the psychological effects or the um, you just feel like you're on a high a- a- afterwards. And that's kind of my first or my second exposure to cold stuff. My really first exposure to sauna and my first exposure to doing the contrast. So. Um, then I just started doing that at my house. So, okay, well, can I, can I do some cold baths at my house? Can I, can I take some ice and put it into my tub? 
hey, go back and forth between a hot shower and a and a, and a cold bath. Uh, and that worked. I did that, but I, I wanted something that could get a little bit hotter and could get a little bit colder. So um, I decided to open up the MBS recovery room. And what's funny about the history of the MBS recovery room is we started off with uh, basically a, a water trough from um, – from tractor supply, we would fill it with ice and jump in it, and that became difficult to difficult to maintain at volume. You have multiple people getting in there; it heats the water up, the ice melts, and you have to have a um, you have to have a ice maker that makes ice in a quantity and fast enough, which we didn't have. And so then we got a freezer. Basically, we took a um, a deep freezer. We um, caulked and sealed all the all the um the um all the edges and you fill it with water and you have it on a timer um so it turns on and off and turns on and off to keep the water temperature uh cold so it would, it would stay about 33 degrees all the time uh we built ice up on the top you'd have to break it hop in well as you can imagine that's really not made for commercial use and over time it just broke so then we got a cold tub with some external piping. So in other words, uh, we got a cold tub and there was um, PVC pipe that went outdoors to a pump and a chiller. And that worked good until there was a, um, an ice storm and uh, freezing conditions. And that caused the, uh, the pipes to break and, um, and bust. And so that, that got <laughs> tossed. And so then we got a, a cold plunge. Uh, which has internal uh, piping. And I, I, I give that history because that's kind of like the history of, uh, or a, a, as, as this methodology has become more and more um, uh, popular and more people want to do it, the, the market has then come around and provided, provided resources and products that can serve it well. Uh, when I first got into it, there wasn't there wasn't any option for to buy a cold tub for your house or for 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 the gym that wasn't like twenty thousand dollars. But it's interesting to me to see that as um, as its popularity has grown, its affordability has grown as well. So um, one lesson I learned from that was, hey, uh, if you're going to do this, buy nice or buy twice. Or in my time, in, in my situation, you can buy it four times. So that's kind of my history of it, um, and um, I've, I've basically been doing it every since. And I'll go a little bit into my protocols l- later, but I, I do cold tub every single day, and I do sauna every single day. So I started however many years ago that was, five years, um, and haven't stopped since then. So let's take a moment to kind of talk about the, the, uh, the physical benefits of heat and the cold. Um, so one of the benefits of heat exposure and um, extreme heat exposure, which I'll talk about uh, protocols later, but we're, we're really looking for something 150 degrees or more. And that's, um, you can get some exposure to heat and just by being outdoors or, um, but uh, I'm specifically referring to like sauna exposure at 150 degrees or more. And one of the nice benefits of this is you actually get, um, a cardiovascular stimulus without any of the muscular skeletal stress. So when you get into um, a sauna and your internal temperature rises, your body starts fighting to bring down your internal temperature. So 
your heart rate increases, your blood vessels dilate, you sweat. And this is the same thing that's occurring when you're doing physical exercise. When you're physically exercising, your body is trying to, uh, it's trying to cool itself off because you are creating heat. And one of the primary um, energy drains from exercise is trying to cool the body down. So we get an elevate, uh, a extended elevated heart rate and cardiovascular response from exercise, and we get that same cardiovascular response from sauna. The difference is you're not beating up your skeletal system or your muscles uh, or your muscles and creating stress and damage to them. So, and if I go out and run, you know, every time my foot plants on the ground, I'm, my body is absorbing that shock, and that's going to create stress to. Uh, to my feet and to my to my to my legs and to my lower back and to the rest of my body. There's going to be skeletal stress. There's going to be mus- muscular stress, and there has to be a recovery period from that. Well, the beautiful part about sauna is you don't have any of that muscular skeletal stress. You're just getting a cardiovascular stimulus, and so one of the benefits from sauna is it re- it improves cardiovascular fitness and actually reduce reduces risk of cardiovascular disease. And they don't have a direct, um, a, a direct correlation for why this is the case, but that's that's basically what they have predicted it, it, it is is the cause. It's, um, it's basically doing cardio. We know that cardio reduces that being in good cardiovascular health reduces cardiovascular uh, disease risk, and that's what sauna can do. Uh, another thing that um, that sauna can do is it um, it stimulates these things called heat shock pr- proteins, and basically what these heat shock proteins do is they repair misfolded or uh, damaged proteins. So um, you have amino acids in your body that come together to build all the proteins. So when you, when all the proteins, the building blocks of your body that make up your skin and your cells and your organs and all that, all that. And so um, these proteins, especially as we age, can become damaged. And so what these heat shock proteins do is they help refold or um, repair any misfold or, or damaged proteins. So they can reduce the risk uh, or, or they can um, help, um, help repair these damaged proteins and prevent negative health consequences from have, having damaged cells, damaged organs. So this helps um, have a improved immune response. So you have better immune uh, functionality. You're less likely to get sick. You're better at fighting off disease. Um, it helps reduce free radicals that create tissue damage and cause these proteins to damage and, and get misfolded. Um, Sauna also helps with uh, faster muscle recovery and repair. As you're increasing your heart rate, you're increasing your blood flow, we got more nutrients going throughout your body quicker. Like I said, it helps uh, protect against um, heart disease. And these heat shock proteins help um, produce, um, produce insulin at a uh, higher amount so that um, you can better utilize the carbohydrates that you're, that, that you're eating. Another benefit to um, sauna is it creates an adaptation to heat. So you get better at handling heat. One of the things that has happened since, uh, since we've 
you know, basically invented H- HVAC, can we spend all day in temperature-controlled environments? So our body hasn't, uh, hasn't had to adapt to temperature fluctuations like it normally would. Normally, we would have to adapt to temperature variations that occur throughout the day, that occur throughout the year, that occur uh, in different seasons. And we would have to be able to, um, to handle this kind of wide, vari- uh, wide range of temperatures. When we live at 70 degrees at all times, we lose or we um, uh, decrease the, our, our ability to adapt properly to heat. And so one of the benefits of doing sauna is you actually can just handle heat better. You don't feel like you, your body gets better at bringing down its core temperature so that you can function in higher uh, temperatures better. So that could be through exercising in, in higher temperatures. You have trained yourself to be able to, to cool yourself down and still produce and still perform at these higher temperatures or just exist. Um, one of the things I found uh, from doing it is – you know, if it's 90 degree plus, it's not psychologically messing with me. Um, and, and I don't feel, I don't feel as much of a negative impact in my performance as I previously would having not done the sauna. I will say this is the, the kind of adaptation to this is you just kind of sweat a whole lot more. So something to be aware of is what I have found is since I started doing sauna, I already sweat a lot, and now I just sweat significantly more, which makes sense. Our body's adaptation to, to heat and its ability to cool its temperature is through sweating. So you, you, it makes sense that as you get better at, uh, at, at um, handling heat, your body just gets better and better and better at sweating. So what I found is um, I, I sweat at lower temperatures more, and I sweat significantly more at higher temperatures, but – Physiologically, psychologically, it's not having a negative impact on me. Final um, physical benefit to doing the heat and cold exposure is it improves your sleep, especially when done at night. When you sleep, your body starts to cool its internal temperature. So as, as you get closer towards bedtime, your body will start decreasing its internal temperature. Well, you can kind of speed up that process or impact that process through sauna because sauna forces your body to start cooling its internal temperature. Now, the process for this is not to do the sauna or do a hot, uh, a hot bath or a hot tub and then try to jump immediately into, um, into, the, uh, into the bed because your internal t- temperature will still be elevated. But what I have found is by doing the sauna about an hour before bedtime, I fall asleep significantly faster because my body has dropped its internal temperature, cooled itself down after the sauna, and I'm more ready to to fall asleep. So that's another benefit of the sauna is improved sleep. So now let's shift and talk about um, some of the uh, some of the physical benefits of cold exposure. So the most the most um, the one you're going to feel immediately is reduced inflammation. So if your muscles are sore, your joints are sore, you're feeling kind of beat up, getting in that cold water 
and reducing that peripheral inflammation feels better. Those those muscle uh, aches, those joint pains, they go away pretty quickly after exposes them to cold temperatures because you're in, you're you're flushing that um, you're flushing that inflammation out of those out of those um, peripheral um, points of your body. That blood is now going towards the uh, towards your um, towards your abdomen so they can warm itself up. So one of the greatest benefits of the cold from a exercise standpoint is when you're feeling beat up and kind of sore, this can help. A, another physical benefit is improved metabolism. So um, there's something called brown fat, which is a more metabolically active fat. So in other words, it is a fat that burns calories. And uh, in studies, they've shown that cold exposure actually increases brown fat activation. So you'll have uh, brown fat activated and causing you to burn more calories. But you then also have the added benefit of the caloric expenditure necessary to raise your body temperature. So you burn more calories in total by when you are cold because your body's having to fight to create energy and heat to, to increase your internal temperature. Now, this is this is an acute effect from when you're only getting into the tub for a couple of minutes. However, it over time it can help create an overall caloric um, deficit greater than if you didn't do it. Another physical benefit is the release of adrenaline. So when you get into the cold, your body's going to have a stress response and dump. Um, dump epinephrine and norepinephrine into your body, which increases the feelings of alertness and focus. When we have a stress response, we have an increase in alertness focus. So when we do um, cold exposure in the morning, this helps us wake up, feel more alert, feel more energized. Um, we can do this at any point of the day. If you're feeling sluggish, a cold shower, a cold exposure will wake you up make you feel better, um, and, and, uh, help increase alertness. So one of my favorite ways of using the, the cold tub is first thing in the morning with combined with coffee and I am ready to rock and roll throughout the rest of the day. What's interesting to me is my kids, they, they love getting in the cold water. I don't force it on them. They just see dad, I do it. And they say, Hey, dad, can we, can we get in the, in the pool? Can we get in the cold tub? And they laugh and they giggle and they think it's the funniest thing in the world because they're, they're just responding to the release of adrenaline and dopamine in their system. They, this is fun. It's an adventure. It's exciting. It's it's um, uh, it's it's an experience. And so they are just responding to the fact that like last time I did did that, it made me feel good. So well, I think that's super interesting when I watch my my four year old and my three year old who want to do cold exposure, not because they they think it's going to improve any of their their fitness or any of that kind of stuff. They just do it because it feels good and it, it's, uh, it's, um, it's exciting. So those are some of the physical benefits of the cold exposure. All right, so now let's talk about some of the mental benefits of heat and cold exposure. And so there are three benefits that I see. And one is discipline. Dis discipline is control through order. It's sticking to a set of 
predetermined rules or actions. It's saying, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to commit to doing it. And the other benefit is grit and resilience, which is a firmness of mind and spirit. It's the ability to withstand difficulties or difficult situations. It's accepting that a situation is difficult or uncomfortable and leaning into it anyways. And I think the final benefit is what I call disassociation. It's the ability to exist uh, mentally outside of any of the physical or emotional pain that you're experiencing so that you can visualize and enact a solution to whatever that problem is. Um, and we, we build that discipline by saying, I'm going to commit to doing this on a regular basis. I'm going to commit to, to starting every single day in the cold tub for one minute or two minutes or doing, uh, you know, ending every shower with a, um, with a, or ending every shower cold for at least 30 seconds, just committing to an action and saying, this is what I'm going to do. And then doing it is, um, is vital in life, especially in American society today where, uh, lack of physical discipline is literally killing people on a daily basis. And, and when you've committed to doing this thing, even though that you know it's going to be uncomfortable, like the cold tub is always uncomfortable. It's never, it's never not cold. But when you've committed to doing it and you do it over and over and over again, you build the ability and the, you build that furnace of mind and spirit. And spirit. You learn to accept discomfort. You learn to accept difficulty and not just accept it, but lean into it to say, to say, I've committed to this. Now I'm leaning into this difficult situation and this discomfort aware that it's going to be uncomfortable. And finally, the disassociation allows you to experience that discomfort without letting it overwhelm you. It's the ability to be uncomfortable, experience it, without letting those emotions associated with it, with that discomfort, or that difficulty, impact your actions or your words in a negative way. So it's the ability to be uncomfortable, yet still do things the appropriate way. And I... I I can't express enough how powerful this is from a from a ability to take on life standpoint. Um, I remember, I remember when I first opened my gym. Um, gosh, I was probably twenty seven, twenty eight, and I remember having like a panic attack. I never had a panic attack in my entire life. I had a panic attack sitting in uh, my office just because I was overwhelmed because this was stress and decision making and discomfort that I had never I had never experienced before, and um, and what I've learned as a dad, as a husband, as a as an entrepreneur is like I have a lot of people looking up to me and a lot of people who who are relying on me. And they, a lot of times they bring me their problems because they've got discomfort, they've got difficulty, and they want me to solve them for them. 
And that can be stressful. You know, um, I have kids and they can't find their shoes or, 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 or their brother hit them or they lost their toy, whatever it's going to be, right? Um, I've got staff who may be having trouble trying to f- solve a situation or clients who are having trouble trying to solve a, a situation. I've got uh, mentees. I do business, ben, business mentorship. And they're bringing, they're bringing me their problems as well. And I use the analogy of mirror, sponge, or filter. Is As a leader, you can't mirror people's emotions. If they're upset, you can't get upset. You can't absorb their emotions. You can't, uh, you, if they're upset or they're sad or whatever, you can't absorb that into yourself and then let that negatively impact you. You have to have the ability to filter those emotions. If they have the ability to lean in to that hard conversation or that difficult situation and still be able to process it properly, still be able to come up with a solution to that problem in the right way. And the cold to me and the hot to me is a way of training to be able to handle that better every single day. So it's a reminder to myself, like physiologically, this is the greatest stress I'm going to feel today. Like I'm probably not going to get any more, um, I'm not going to get any more adrenaline pumped into my system than I'm going to get right here, right now in this cold tub. So this is my opportunity today to to train myself on how to handle stress properly. Anything else that happens throughout that day is not going to be as adrenaline-fueled as this thing was. And if I can get through that, I can get through whatever else is going to happen today. If I can build up the ability to, to, um, to think through and disassociate and continue to breathe without this uh, habit overwhelming me, then, I'm, then I can use those same mental practices when something else stressful happens throughout the day. So if someone brings me something, I've already, I know what stress feels like. I can start walking myself through it. I can start getting control of my breath. I can start disassociating from it. I can, I can start um, using those same tools that I built up with my daily practice of the cold plunge. And I can build up that discipline. I can build up that grit, that disassociation, and kind of say, like, I am a, someone who can do hard things. This situation is, is going to end. This cold tub is eventually I'm going to get out of it. I'm not going to be cold anymore. So I've just got to lean into this for this period of time, and I'm going to grow from it. And that is the tool set that, that I find the most beneficial from doing the cold. Yes, there are physical benefits. Yes, um, there are benefits from doing them. They're going to help in my physical performance. But more than anything, the true benefits of the cold and the heat are the impacts it has on your mental performance. And so one of the one of the final benefits of mental benefits of the of the heat and the cold is just the social component. As you can add people into this and you can you can you can do it together and you can hold each other accountable and build this discipline together and build this grit and this association together. And that is another powerful way of building camaraderie and building relationships. When both of you, when there, there is something powerful about 
two people going through an adrenaline fueled, dopamine fueled environment uh, or experience that then ties them together. And so that's a, that is a final benefit I found. So if you can do the, the heat and the cold exposure with others, it's a great opportunity to build some relationships and build the, rele- the, the resource of relationships in your life. So finally, let's talk about some resources. How can you, how can you experience cold exposure? Well, the easiest one is just to take a cold shower. Everyone, if you've got a shower, you can just take the, you can just take the, uh, the knob and turn it to cold instead of to hot. Another way is to do an ice bath. If you can get ice, whether it's from your refrigerator or from a store, and put it in a bathtub, you can make an ice bath. Now, something to be aware of when it comes to comes to ice baths is you you need a significant amount of ice. It's way more ice than you think you need. Like a normal bathtub, you're probably going to need ten bags, you know, ten five whatever they're, I guess they're five pound bags, but ten of of like grocery store bags of ice at least. So. Your your refrigerator um, ice machine will will give you a little bit, but it's usually not going to be enough to really like drop that temperature down below fifty where you you really want it to get. Another option is your pool. If you got a pool during the winter time, it's going to get cold, and so you can jump into the pool. I also know people who just have a troughs. They have basically an ice bath that they live uh, that they leave outside, and they live in Canada. So it's like negative degrees uh, nine months out of the year. So they uh, their cold blood uh, cold plunge or their cold bath stays cold year round. So if you've got a pool or some type of body of water, you can jump in that. If you've got a pond or a, or a little a stream, I've seen people do um, outdoor um, um, cold exposure. Another option is the recovery room. So. Um, we have one at MES Fitness, and there's also uh, uh, they're also popping up because of the popularity. There's there's places you can go and do ice baths and saunas, um, and so that's another good option. And then finally, you can either get or make your own plunge. There's there's now plenty out there um, available at different price ranges that you can uh, that you can um, purchase, or if you've got the skill set, you can actually make one yourself. So now let's talk about resources for heat. Well, obviously, you've got your, your hot shower, your bath, which is a good option. You can also use a heat blanket. So if you've got a heat blanket, you can sit on a, you can put that heat blanket under a bunch of uh, covers and other, other blankets and kind of create uh, an, a heated up environment there. They also make something called a blanket sauna, which is basically the same idea as the heat blanket, except it's a kind of full body suit that heats up. You also have a, uh, Saunas that exist in recovery rooms, or you could get your own sauna. To finish, I'm going to talk a little bit about protocols. So when it comes to um, how long, uh, what temperatures you should do all of this stuff, the goal is to get about 11 minutes a week of cold exposure. And with regards to a temperature, we really want this to be sub 50. So sub 50 degree water for somewhere between 11 minutes a week. 
Now, the reality is trying to sit in 40-degree water for 11 minutes in one session is very difficult and can be relatively dangerous because there is a risk of hypothermia, hypothermia from exposing yourself to very cold temperatures for extended period of, periods of time. Also, the longer you're in there, the longer it takes for you to heat back up. So I think the beauty of the 11 to 12 minutes a week at the sub 50 is the ideal time frame to expose yourself is one to two or one to three minutes. So what ends up happening is you're kind of forced to do it on a daily basis. In other words, one to three minutes every single or five to seven days a week is the best protocol for cold because you're going to get the physical benefits of it, but you also get the mental benefits of discipline from committing to doing it on a daily basis. So the best protocol for cold, sub-50 degree water, about 12 minutes a week, five to six sessions of one to three minutes each. When it comes to sauna, we're looking at, uh, or heat exposure, we're looking at 150 degrees or more for somewhere around 60 total minutes a week. Now, likewise, sitting in a 170 degree sauna for 60 minutes straight is going to bring with it incredible risk. So do not do that. Do not, I should say that, that there is risk involved with the extended exposure to cold and the extend, extreme cold and the extended exposure to extreme heat. The goal here is not to build up um, extended exposure it goes to find out what is the daily exposure or total weekly time that I that I should be shooting for. So, when it comes to um, when it comes to heat, we're looking at 150 degrees or more for about 10 to 20 minutes a session for a total of about 60 minutes a week. So, you could do three 20 minute sessions. You could do six 10 minute sessions or four 15 minute sessions. Again, I go back to the benefits of doing it daily are tremendous. So I would prefer to do daily shortened sessions and accumulating 60 minutes total in a week. So the process I want you to think about when it comes to heat and cold exposure is you can imagine that there's a wall up in front of you and people tend to build this wall as big as possible to the point where there's no way they could climb over it. This is the psychological wall that they build out the, allows them to justify not doing the heat or the cold. They say, that's way too cold. There's no way I could do that. That's crazy. And the process is to try to make that wall as small as you possibly can to the point where you can step over it. So, yes, if the idea of jumping into 33-degree water just scares the living shit out of you, then that's not where you start. The question is, do you think you could you think you could do 10 seconds of a cold shower at the end of your shower? So we want to make take this big wall that we've built and break it down. Psychologically, by telling ourselves it's just cold, it's just hot. It doesn't last forever. I can do this. I'm going to after I get out of this, I'll warm right back up. I've got, I've got a, uh, a, um, 
I've got warm clothes I can put on. Or after this, I'm going to cool back down. I can sit underneath the fan. The goal is to take this big wall that we've built up and break it down into a very small wall that we can actually step over. So start small and then build up. Start with a 10-second or 15-second cold shower. Then see if you can get to 30 seconds. See if you can get to 60 seconds. See if you can get to two minutes. If you can do a two-minute cold shower, see if you can now go to a uh, 30 seconds in a you know 50-degree ice bath. See if you can get to one minute in a 50-degree. See if you can get to two minutes. If you can get to two minutes, now see if you can start reducing the temperature. And so you're starting small, building up, and kind of breaking down these walls one by one. And that is the other mental benefit of it, is you look back and go, man, like I never thought I would be able to do this. When I first started, I, I said, there's no way I'll be able to, uh, there's no way I'll be able to get, sit in two minutes into 30, 30 degree water. But because you, you, made the, the, you made the wall small enough that you could step over, eventually you build the momentum and you go, oh, I can do that. I can do that. That's just a little bit smaller, smaller increase. I think I can do that. And then you become person, a person who can do hard things. And that's the goal. The goal is to build up, build up the ability to say, I am someone who can do hard things. So consistency is more important than total duration. So it, the goal is not to say, well, just once a week, I'll just hammer it out and get my, my 12 minutes of cold exposure and my 60 minutes of silent. No, what we want to do is build a consistent practice here. So I'm going to go over uh, a couple of ways that you can do this. Um, you can do the cold before or after training. Something to consider is if you have multiple training bouts in a day, the cold will definitely help you recover and have a higher performance in in each uh, training bout than if you didn't do the cold at all. So if you got like a competition or you've got multiple um, multiple training sessions in a single single day, the cold can help you have higher performance on each um, on each um, uh, on each performance by helping you to recover faster. But something to be aware of is when you do cold after training, it reduces your inflammation and can actually reduce the total impact and adaptation to whatever that training stimulus was. So what I mean by that is if you do the cold after training, you may not adapt and have the same results as if you had did not do the cold. So if you're training for increase in endurance or increase in strength or increase in muscle hypertrophy, the cold can negatively impact your body's adaptation in those areas where you will not gain as much strength or you will not build as much endurance or you will not build as much muscle if you do the cold immediately after training. So it kind of depends on what the goal is. If this is a normal training session where you're trying to develop and get better, then I would suggest not doing the cold immediately after training. If this is a performance, a test, then in that situation, doing the cold after training to prep and, uh, and recover before the next training bout, that is a good protocol. Whether you should do it uh, in the morning or in the evening, well, the only risk you somewhat, uh, you somewhat run by doing it in the evening is driving a bunch of adrenaline 
into your system and keeping yourself awake. Some people, this impacts them. Some people, it doesn't. The other, uh, the other potential risk is your body is now trying to raise up its in, in internal temperature. And so it's a little bit off cycle from your normal circadian rhythm. I've done it in the evening and it did not impact my sleep. I know other people who do it in the evening and it doesn't impact their sleep, but it is a potential risk. So you'd have to kind of try it out and see. When it comes to heat, you can do this before training as a general warm up. However, be aware that if you do too much heat before training, it's going to exhaust you and make you have a worse performance. So you need to keep your bout in the heat shortened if you're going to do it before training. You can do it after training, immediately after training, as a bit of an extended cardiovascular um, stress. So you can extend the stress and adaptation of that workout by doing heat after the workout. You can also do it disconnected from either workout. When it comes to morning or evening, uh, same general uh, thing we talked about earlier is um, um, it, if you do it in the evening, there is a, there, you can have an improved benefit from sleep. You can also do it in the morning as well, and it's probably not going to have any negative impact from doing it um, in the morning unless you are doing an extended bout, getting yourself uh, exhausted from that that if you're exhausting yourself from a long extended bout at, at high heat that could make you drag a little bit more in the morning than than it normally otherwise would you can also use the contrast method and what the contrast method is is it is a three to one protocol of hot to cold so if you do uh three minutes of hot or you do one minute of cold you do two minutes of hot you do six or Two minutes of cold, you would do six minutes of hot. This is the general protocol, but you can do, you can kind of do it however you want. That's, you, don't, you can go beyond just the, the three to one ratio. So one of my favorite ways of doing it is I'll do um, like five minutes sauna, one minute cold. Ten minutes sauna, two minutes cold. Fifteen to twenty minutes sauna, and then three, two to three minutes of cold. So I actually extend the amount of sauna time each time um, and then extend the cold time each time. But it's well beyond the three-to-one ratio. And I find contrast is best for is just really kind of flushing my body out. If I'm, if I'm feeling really beat up, really exhausted, a lot of joint inflammation, a lot of uh, muscle soreness and pain, then this, the, the contrast uh, seems to help significantly and flushing all that out and kind of bringing me back to a baseline. Like, okay, I feel good again. I don't use this often, mainly because it takes so much time. Like I said, it's like an hour of uh, back and forth between the sauna and the cold. You don't have to do that. You can do, you can do a hot, cold shower, which works really well, where you're doing a minute cold, three minutes hot, a minute cold, three minutes hot. But from the, one of the things that occurs is when you get in the cold, the longer you expose yourself to the cold, the longer it takes to heat up. So what I've found is like if I do a two-minute cold tub, it may take me five minutes to heat back up to like normal temperature in the sauna, and then I'm doing another five to ten minutes of to get to back where I'm sweating. And my goal is be cold and sweat again, be cold and be sweat again. The contrast method is really good at making your body – flush out and feel better if you're beat up and sore 
but just be aware that it can take an extended period of time. Finally, I'm going to talk about what my current protocol is. So currently, what I do is I wake up, and my first thing I do is I get into my cold dunk. So I have a cold plunge at home, and I jump in that. And I start my. I, this is how I start my day. I want to start my day with the hardest possible thing physiologically that I could experience and build up that discipline and that grit and that disassociation. So my, my, my focus when I get in there is to control my breathing. The way I do that is I'll, I'll go in. Most of the time, I'll dunk my head underneath uh, the water as well, and I'll come up, and I'll start trying to take in. <sighs> Inhales through my nose, exhales through my mouth. I'll take about three of those, and then I'll start to go fully into nasal breathing. So what I'm trying to do is gain control over my phys- physiological response, and try to return myself, return myself back to a parasympathetic state where I can sit in that cold without gasping for air, without, um, without being overwhelmed by the, by the adrenaline that's going in through my system. I also love this because my plunge is outside. So as I start my day, I start my day with the cold. My wife usually jo- joins me. We're out in nature. It's just a kind of good way to start my day. It's better than starting my day by looking at my phone. So my morning uh, routine is I start with, with cold exposure for two minutes. My cold plunge sits at 39 to 40 degrees, and uh, we do that every day as best we can. And then at night, I do 10 to 15 minutes of sauna. And uh, I'll do the sauna, and then I'll stretch a little bit afterwards. Um, and really what I do in the sauna is I do work. I actually write all my social media uh, in the sauna. So it's a it's an added kind of uh, stress of I have to be hot and yet still focus on the task at hand. So what I'll find myself being pulled back into is, is oh, my God, it's, just, it's hot or I'm sweating or whatever. And I'll have to say, ah, stop focusing on that. Accept that. Focus on the task at hand. So I use the the evening sauna routine as a bit of a, a focal point is a kind of pull back into hey, solve the problem in front of you. Like exist within, like accept the emotion, accept the stress, accept the discomfort. It is hot. Yes, you're sweating. Yes, you're breathing. Yes, you can feel your heart rate increasing, but you've got work to do. Write the daggum social media post. So that's how I use the afternoon sauna. And that's my current protocol. Morning uh, cold tub. Afternoon sauna, two minutes in the morning at 40 degrees, and I do 10 to 15 minutes at 170 to 180 degrees in a infrared sauna every night. So my encouragement to you is implement something in the realm of heat and cold exposure into your life. Whatever you have access to, whether it's a, whether you do have a recovery room or you do have a pool or you have a heat blanket or you got just a daggum shower, Expose yourself to something that's uncomfortable and force yourself to grow. MBS Fitness Radio, out.